Good morning. In just a minute, we are going to pray together, but first it's my privilege to introduce our, our guest speaker this morning. Reverend Howard Earle is the senior pastor of New Hope Baptist Church right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Howard's been the pastor at New Hope since 2005. He's originally uh, from Texas, and he has an engineering degree from the University of Houston, and his Master's of Divinity is from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And we are very excited to have Howard with us this morning, looking forward to him opening the Word and telling us what the Lord has for us this morning. Would you please give Howard a Calvary welcome? Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. The Bible says that we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning to the Calvary Church. Thank you so much for this invitation. I have enjoyed the worship this morning. It is uh, those songs just bring back memories. I remember growing up as a child in Fort Worth, Texas, and we would sing some of the great hymns of the church. And some of that heritage uh, I miss. Uh, We've lost some of that, but I'm so grateful. Thank you to Pastor Jim in his absence. And I've been very well taken care of by Tom and Kristen this morning. They have ushered me around and showed me around a few things, and I was so blessed by the time and prayer this morning with uh, the individuals in, in the pastor's office, the pastor's study, those prayers and listening to my name, hearing my name called and laid before the Lord was such a blessing to me. My assignment this morning is to come and to share with you uh, out of the Word of God, and so I call our attention there now to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, there's a familiar passage of scripture that is perhaps one of my, uh, one of my most favorite passages that I tend to refer to quite often for various seasons in my life. And every time I read it, God shows me something different, something special. But there in chapter 22, there is a scene there where God is speaking to, speaking to his servant Abraham. God has established his covenant with Abraham, and we know that the Bible tells us this rich story of God's love for his created, his creation, his people. There, beginning at verse 1, it says, so time, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the, re- to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Then God said, early in the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. 
When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will, will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Such a provocative and powerful passage this morning and I want to use these words here recorded. Talk about this subject, the audacity of faith. In our Bibles, there in the New Testament, Peter writes and describes us as a chosen people. King James calls us a peculiar people, chosen by God. Perhaps what makes us most peculiar beyond anything else is the fact that we are people of faith. Peculiar meaning this, it's, it's more than the fact that we look different from other people because after all, everybody, if that were the case, everybody is peculiar but our faith, what we believe in, it rests, rests in God. Here, Abraham provides for us a portrait of faith, what faith must look like, how faith behaves, what faith looks like in action. It's what Abraham shows us here. You all, perhaps you don't remember, if you just give me a couple of minutes, if I could share with you a little bit of his story there God speaks to Abraham and calls him from his family and all things familiar and says, I want you to pack up and go to a place that I'll show you. God establishes his covenant and tells Abraham later on, says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your seed. Abraham is 100 years old. He tells him, he says, in fact, I'm going to bless your seed. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. At the time, Abraham is so old. The thought of having children has long passed him. But God says, but I'll make you a father of many nations. We fast forward. Abraham gets impatient. Sarah grows impatient. They try to help God along. They have this bright idea. Here's Hagar. She's young. She's attractive. I know you've been looking at Abraham. I know you've been checking her out. Go ahead. It makes sense. Abraham says, why not? It's okay with the wife. They have Ishmael. God's not pleased. But God still says, but I, I made you a promise. Abraham has Isaac. And God makes this bold request of Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want you to give me your only son. The son you love. God is specific. Not, not you, you had two sons, but I want the son that counts. 
I want Isaac, the one that you love. I want you to give him to me, sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And we're talking about faith this morning. We're talking about here that that God makes demands and requests of us that indeed challenges our faith. Scripture tells us that this is set up where God seeks to test the faith of Abraham. Not that God isn't certain or sure whether or not Abraham will believe him, but rather more perhaps for Abraham to understand what God expects of him. And so this morning as we look at the audacity of faith, I want us to be thinking about the fact, you know what, there's tension here. Because I believe that Western culture has imposed upon genuine and authentic faith. Because we often think that faith happens as a response to what we get in return from God. We tend to position ourselves and walk through life and call ourselves people of faith. I believe God because God will do this. I trust God because God will give me this. I will honor God because God in turn will elevate me and promote me and do all these great things for me. But in the story of Abraham surrendering Isaac, we don't see Abraham surrender in the expectation of God doing something in return. Faith happens not because of what God will do for us or what God will give us, But we have faith simply because of who God is. And when God is God, God does not have to make deals with us to prove himself. God does not have to make deals with us to validate and substantiate himself. God simply is God. And as a result of God, we become the beneficiaries of blessing. So The first stop that I want to make here when we understand faith and the boldness and this audacious attitude of faith is that that faith is active and it is intentional. It's there in your Bible. It says that the angel comes, speaks to Abraham, and God makes this bold request. And the Bible says that early the next morning, Abraham got all things together. He got all of his belongings together. He got Isaac together. He got the donkey together. And he set out on a three-day journey to the region of Moriah. And so here we see Abraham. He gets up. He saddles up. He travels three days. But notice what you don't see. You don't see the dialogue between Abraham and God. You don't see negotiation. And I believe that there's a reason why we don't see negotiation. We don't see Abraham saying, now, wait a minute, God, now, are you sure there must be some other kind of way? Are you, are you really serious? After all, wait a minute, God, are you being an Indian giver? You told me, God, that you would make me a father of many nations and I'd be blessed through my seed. How can that happen now if I give him to you as a burnt offering? Last time I checked, things that burn up don't reproduce per se. God, this this cannot be right. There's no procrastination. Any procrastinators out there? I'm I'm a self I'm a recovering procrastinator. 
professing myself. Um, I, I, I struggle with procrastination, but, but there's no delay. You don't see Abraham wrestling or you don't see him trying to find everything else to do. Waiting for the possibility that God would come back and say, wait, wait, wait a minute, Abraham, you know what, you know what, I thought about it. Maybe, maybe we'll try, no, Abraham with determination, active and intentional, he gathers all these things and makes his way. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We're understanding now that, that God's not pleased by necessarily the words that come out of our mouths. God, sure, God is entertained when we sing praises to him, but you can sing with the best of them and have no faith. You can dance with the best of them and you can recite scripture with the best. You can know the scriptures, the Hebrew, the Greek, Aramaic. You can even memorize the Apocrypha. You can understand all of the Maccabean revolts and the intertestamental period and the dark age and the middle ages and you can go down and trace all of the history and yet have no faith and not honor God and God not be pleased with you. James tells us that faith without works is dead. That the, way, the only way we make it and the only way that we thrive in this life, in this world, is when we live by faith. And so then, faith, as, as recorded in the Hall of Faith, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which means then that faith requires you to take action even before evidence shows up. Faith requires us to take steps before we see firm, solid footing. Faith requires us to begin our journey even before all things come together. That's what's happening here. And so we see now that we are already challenged because you know what? The way we operate in faith is that we want confirmation before we take steps. We say that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But we want confirmation before we give God substance. We want to make sure that it's going to be sound and true before we make the investment. We want to see a prospectus on all the alternatives, all of the, the options. We want to see what is the rate of return. We, we sometimes treat the call of God as if it's a financial transaction. We'll ask ourselves, well, what is the market doing? Well, what is the trend? What's happening? Give me the five, 10 year, 20 year history. I need to know if this is a sound or solid investment. But when God comes before us and makes a request, God says, I've got all the history you need. You can go all the way back. In the beginning, there was nothing. And I spoke and it came into being. How much more history do you need? God does not work and play these games with us and so my question to you today, what steps do you need to take? God has made a bold request of somebody in here. God is challenging you now with your Isaac. Now you must be asking yourself, what is my Isaac? 
Is it your own child? Is it your family? Your children? Your career? Is your Isaac your own reputation? Is your Isaac this next season in your life? Are you literally waiting for God to make something fall out of the sky? Are you waiting to hear angelic voices? Are you waiting to feel the dew of the morning glory rest upon you? Are you waiting for the Red Sea to open? Are you, are you ready for God to make it obvious for you? Or are you willing to take steps? Do you have a plan? You want to go to school. You want to go and start a business. You want to do these things. Are you active and intentional? Are you acting like you expect this to happen? Meaning you want to go to school, have you purchased a backpack? Or are you saying, I'm waiting until all of the financial aid gets in? You want to go and start a business. Have you written a business plan? You want to be married? Well, have you? Surrendered yourself solely to the Lord. If you made yourself holy, well, we don't make ourselves holy, but are you living a life honorable and pleasing unto God so that when God sends you the person he wants for you, that person will receive that individual who's already committed himself or herself to him. It's active and it's intentional. We don't see Abraham receive the instruction and then wait for God to come back and say, okay, now it's time to go. But there's something else here. It's active and intentional, but faith also, it it, it has reason of its own. Faith does not play by the world's rules. Faith does not yield and obey worldly standards. Faith, it, it operates in a whole nother system. Faith is otherworldly. And there are some things and some choices and conversations that we have and make that we just can't have with everybody. There are even some things that we do in faith that other believers don't quite understand. And that's all right. But we see, we see this play out in the dialogue between Abraham, his servants, and even his son Isaac. Abraham here has shown us what obedience looks like. Faith is subject only to God and nothing or no one else. Abraham tells his servants when he reaches the place and he sees Moriah at a distance. He says, listen, fellas. Stay right here with the donkey while me and the boy, I and the boy, I always get that mixed up. I, me, forgive me if I've gotten my grammar wrong, but stay here while Isaac and myself, I probably messed that up too, Isaac and I, we will go over here. He says, but we go over here to worship and we'll be back. Faith. Isn't it interesting that the angel tells Abraham to go and sacrifice? And Abraham tells his servants that me and the boy are going over here to worship. 
That in your walk with God, when God makes requests, God's asking for you to relinquish, to surrender. We understand it to be a sacrifice, but you got to move from sacrifice to appreciate it as worship. That, that yes, God is worthy even of your family. God is worthy of so much more. The, those things that are a most prized and precious possession, you can still surrender them to God and surrender them in an act of worship. Reason of its own. And so you know how this goes. Abraham goes and he does that. But we got to keep moving here because we must be prepared to obey whatever God asks of us. In our Western thought, our flesh would say, how unfair is it of God to ask for Isaac or demand Isaac back after he gave him to Abraham? It would have been better off if God had said, you know what, Abraham, Uh, I can't give you a son. I can't, but I need you to trust me for the rest of your days. It would have been better off for God to say, Abraham, you won't experience the joy of fatherhood in your life. But still, I need you to live as a witness before all of man that the God of heaven is a God of grace and a God of goodness. That would have seemed more plausible, but not for God to give him the son. And allow him to enjoy the the fruit of fatherhood. Not allow him the privilege and blessing to watch his son grow up. Not to allow him the chance to to throw the ball with him. To teach him and be there when he takes his first steps. To talk about girls with him. Not, Not, you know, it just doesn't seem right that God would give Abraham all of that only for God to want to take it back. But I tell you, faith is not about what we get in return. But if I cannot surrender totally unto God, then I cannot live in faith. And if you have not completely surrendered to God, you have yet to experience life of faith. That's the words with his servants. But now consider the walk with Isaac. You know, and something else I'll throw in here. We like to think of this story as, as, as a picture of Abraham and his toddler son, Isaac. We, we, we sometimes hear Isaac's voice as being that of a, you know, preschooler. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed just in love with everything, you know, have a three-year-old daughter and she notices everything. She questions everything. Just, you know, daddy, why, why is the grass like that? And we walk and she stop, everything stops her, gets her attention. But wait a minute, daddy, we got to look. No, Isaac's not a toddler here. We're not talking about a child who's, who's basically just blind and, and, and ignorant of the ways of the world. Isaac is perhaps 15, 16, 17 years old. Isaac is well aware of what's going on. You know, he's, he's watched daddy offer enough sacrifices 
to know something is missing. And then just think just how, how, how cruel it is that Abraham would make his son carry the wood and the fire. All Abraham has to carry is the knife. Isaac's walking, he said, Daddy, um, I see the wood and the, I got the fire. You have the knife, but where, where's the lamb? And they're still walking. Dad, uh, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where's the lamb? Dad, we're, we're going to offer a burnt offering, right? The last time we did this, we had, a, we had a lamb. We had something to place on the altar. Now, I see the wood and I see the fire. I see the knife, but, but where's the lamb? And we see Abraham still making his way to Moriah. And he doesn't debate with his son, but he shares with him very plainly, the Lord will provide. Put yourself there in this scene. How many of us would have been like Isaac and said, wait a minute, something's not, something's missing. Hold on, flag on the play. We've forgotten something. Wait a minute, we've got, we've got, we're almost there, but we don't have all of what we need. And because we don't have all of what we need, perhaps we ought to suspend this operation. God right now is asking all of us, will we take a walk? Will we take this three-day journey? Are you willing to take the necessary steps? And now along the way, what is it that keeps you putting one foot in front of the other? Knowing that you don't have everything that you need, but what is it that continues to march you onward toward Moriah? And for Abraham and faith, the reason according to faith is that God makes the provision every step of the way. Abraham continues to walk realizing that right now he does not have the lamb in his possession or maybe Abraham's already saying, I have the lamb. My lamb happens to be my son because God has asked for him. I also know God said that he would bless me through this child. Therefore, it becomes incumbent upon God to make something happen. And that's not for me to worry about. My assignment is to get Isaac to Moriah. Where are you in your journey? God's made a request. Can you take the steps? Can you start the walk? Can you go to Moriah? And can you go to Moriah even when rational people raise rational questions? What happens? You bought a backpack telling people you're going to school. But what if the real rational people say, well, how are you going to pay for it? Do you say, huh, well, you got a good point there. Maybe, maybe it's just not time yet. You know how we spiritualize our fearful decisions? You know how we spiritualize the choices when we choose to stop following God? Ah, uh, you know, it just, since in my spirit, just wasn't the right time. Yep, yep. Not going to go to school after all. Hey, but if you know anybody who needs a backpack, I'd love to be a blessing in their journey. Just not my time. 
And only you know when you have made a decision where you have allowed yourself to shrink in fear rather than rise in faith. There's something else though. It's active and it's intentional. It has reason of its own. But you know, we, we really want to know how does this thing end up? How does it happen? What does God do? You know, it's one thing I've learned and discovered about faith even in the morning of my life in ministry. Faith does get results. It does. There's always a positive return on faith. Now, sure, there are times where we make choices and decisions, and it seems like faith will require us to do the unthinkable. Invest where investment does not seem plausible. To, to go and to walk and to live in circumstances that seem to be unlivable. But faith always gets results. Abraham sets an example of surrender. And there can be no faith where there is no surrender. You see there that they reach Moriah. There's still no lamb, but Abraham goes through. The, he prepares the sacrifice. He goes and he gets the altar ready. He says, Isaac, give me the wood. And can you see Abraham methodically, meticulously squaring things off? Even comes time for Isaac. Isaac is still looking around. Sees the altar and Abraham has to say, Isaac, come here. Isaac stands. Father binds his hands, his feet. Places him on the altar as an act of worship. We thought worship was how we sound when we sing. We lift our hands. But worship is really when you have given God what you thought you could never give him. Worship is giving him your career. Even if it seems like you could lose your income. Worship is giving God your children. Realizing that God can care for them better than you ever could. Worship is relinquishing control over your life and being able to rehearse the words of Jesus in Gethsemane. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Placing his son there on the altar. And the Bible says that Abraham takes the knife and raises it that his son may see it. Faith follows all the way through. Faith does not pause. Faith continues on. And, and God lets Abraham go all the way through, raises his hand, and then God calls out, Abraham, hold your hand. Don't kill him. You've passed this test. Now I know not that God was looking for information, but it is understood now that you love the Lord your God. And there Abraham hears a rustling in his periphery. There in the bushes, wasn't even a lamb, it was a ram. Caught up in the thicket by his horns. And immediately Abraham knew what it meant. And all he could remember is Isaac saying, Daddy, I got the wood. 
and I got the fire, but where's the lamb? Can you hear Abraham saying, Isaac, there's the lamb. Let's go get him. I'm sure he'll burn real good. Jewish legend, Jewish legend would have it that the ram was delayed making his way from the Garden of Eden and gotten caught up. Whether you like the legendary story or not, what is, what we do know for sure is that God made a way. That God shows up and God shows up every time when we respond and yield to him in faith. Gospel artist by the name of Shirley Caesar wrote a, wrote a song. The lyrics were that he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Song says he's an on time God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. There's a great hymn of the church tells us like a ship that is tossed and driven, battered by an angry sea. The, the chorus of the song is that the Lord will make a way somehow, somehow. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what your experience, what your journey is, but God's asking you to keep walking, keep stepping, keep trusting, keep surrendering, because I promise you that God will show up on time. He may not come when you want him. He may not come the way you expect him, but he will be there right on time. And if I were at New Hope, I'd ask, can I get a witness in here? Does anybody know that God will make a way out of no way? Will you give God your Isaac? Will you surrender your Isaac to God? And will you watch God do the unthinkable? Will you see God? Will you allow God? Will you give God room and capacity to bless you in ways that you never could have imagined? I promise you that he will do that, that he will bless you in ways that you never imagined. Let me pray for you. Father, we offer ourselves unto you. We have been challenged. We've been inspired. We've even been convicted by this episode in scripture. Father, now I pray for my brother or sister who still holds tightly grasping to their blessed Isaac. Lord, I pray now that you will use this message, this sermon, to teach them something about faith. That until we allow ourselves to release our grip, we have yet to experience what it means to walk in faith. And so now, if there is a mother or father here, Lord, who struggles, I pray, Lord, that they feel your presence. God, I thank you because you have over and over again shown up at the right time. Over and over again, you have seen how you can make requests and, Lord, never contradict your promise. And so, Lord, if we say to you this morning, thank you. Thank you for your love and your grace. And it's in the only name that matters that we pray the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.